Hi everyone, welcome to the DRISC podcast, episode four, data protection. On this week's episode, George interviews Alvin Toe, the CMO of Straits Interactive, about data protection risks that businesses of all sizes face. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Alvin. Uh, welcome to our D-Risk podcast. Really happy to have you here. You come very highly recommended by a number of people. Uh, and uh, Alvin uh, is a CEO at Straits Interactive. So very, very happy to have you here with us on our episode when we're talking about cyber breaches and all kinds of things related to major problems that startups face. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, George. So Alvin, you're you as a CMO at Straits Interactive. Maybe if you don't mind giving us a little bit of a brief of how do you find your way into the world of cyber and uh, a little bit about yes. the Straits Interactive as well. Sure. So we are specialists in the world of data protection, personal data protection, right? A bit more than cyber uh, world. And this is the world where it's actually took center stage when Facebook and a particular firm that impl was implicated in the Trump election um, got public news, you know, and Cambridge Analytica, right? And that was the landmark case of um, data protection um, where it actually became global news. So for us, we are very much in personal data protection. Uh, we are specialists in this region and we provide three things. We do training, we do consulting, and we also are the only company with a data protection management software called DPO Inbox. And with that, we also run an initiative called the Data Protection Excellence Network, the largest community in ASEAN, uh, comprising of ecosystem of uh, data protection compliance officers uh, and professionals, and also a few universities that we partner with as a data protection excellence centers. And we provide research papers, we provide uh, videos, we provide webinars on updates on regional developments. So we eat, live, breathe data protection. Got it, so cool. And uh, maybe just a first question then, so in light of the COVID measures, what have you seen in terms of the cyber incident impact in terms of firms? We see a lot of people working from home these days. So is that becoming a lot more risky? Have you seen that, that change? Yeah, so there is increasing risk uh, with the WFH work from home. And maybe I will um, speak to the point of uh, data protection uh, risk versus cyber risk. And they are interrelated, but they are not the same. So what do I mean, right? With the work from home, I mean, it's very obvious. Everybody is now, you know, logging in via their PC and all that. Um, things they are supposed to be inside their firewall before, and now it's actually connected via the internet. And recently we've been updating uh, to our own staff and also to our network of uh, data protection officers, what the increased risk, especially in data protection means. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Number one, the people who are now forced to work from home, um, they may not have ready access to IT support. So tendency is that um, they can be compromised and they may inadvertently, um, you know, be scammed, right? And we have seen that happening ourselves. And I think you 
might have heard people being called, uh, hey, you know, your Singtel broadband is slow. You know, we can come and help you uh, configure your router. And then, you know, they say they can troubleshoot. But they are scam calls because they don't make any kind of calls. But what happens is that once they are able to log into your computer, they can do a number of things and hold you ransom. And a lot of people pay for that. And this is something that is rampant because why the staff have no access to an IT person. And at that point in time, it sounds credible, especially if your laptop happens to be showing some sort of pop-up and ask you to click on it to get support. So that is one issue about work from home, uh, readiness of support and, uh, you know, the, the uh, IT skills of the particular user may not be... Uh, you know, well-trained in terms of how to discern between real and uh, fake cases. So this thing, we have seen the incident rise. Uh, number two, of course, the protection of data that's being uh, taken at home and them talking to customers. You deal with insurers, you know that you have to talk to customers, they go on calls and all that. They have to send their forms up and down. Uh, some of them use iPads, they are shared with their kids, right? Uh, so those can be compromised. Uh, and then, you know, documents have been sent up and down, um, especially sensitive ones, may or may not be well protected because they're using their private uh, tablets and all that. So that is on the cyber side of things. And one thing to note is that maybe I will discern between the two. Security deals with confidentiality, integrity, and availability of data. Privacy deals with notice and choice, which the... Uh, CIO or the security guys may not have uh, a purview on. So just because you have the data doesn't mean you have the ability to use it. Where the two will meet is confidentiality, usage and access. So this is something that um, many firms mistake that, uh, you know, just because they, they think they have some sort of cyber protection doesn't mean they have already observed the data protection laws. This is really good. So it's a really interesting distinction. So for the Straits Interactive, it, it's very clear that you guys are focused more on the uh, data privacy and the data protection aspects of it. What are some of the typical approaches that you guys have taken to deal uh, with, with the data privacy uh, issues for the businesses? Yeah, so, you know, just now we were talking and especially those who are listening, if you are a startup, yeah, um, few things that will bring this front and center for you. Number one, many firms, um, you know, maybe focus as see, I got my firewall, my cybersecurity part, but they don't know about the requirements of the data protection laws. And this thing becomes important once you suddenly see the terms in your contract, which many uh, firms are now putting stricter, stricter due diligence in data protection, especially you're dealing multinationals and they're from Europe, they put something from the GDPR, which is General Data Protection Rules, the strictest in the world. Uh, Singapore is tightening up their rules as well. So is the region. And the other one, of course, is that some of them will ask you what standards do you have in data privacy? So Singapore launched something called Data Protection Trust Mark. And the telltale signs, whether they'll trust you as a company, typically they look for a couple of things that easily found, uh, can be found on your website, uh, whether you have or not. Number one, whether you're a data protection officer that is named. Secondly, whether your privacy policy is actually relevant to the country that you are in. Right, some people copy and paste from the internet, and they can tell. Then, if you're under GDPR um, scrutiny, they will look for something called uh, data protection assessment and record processing. If you can't answer any of these four questions and you have no clue what they are, 
then they know that your company is a bit flaky yeah, on the data protection or data privacy side of things. And you are probably already in breach of the regulations. I see. And in terms of if there are the cases where you're in breach of the regulations, how, how do you usually help the companies deal with that? Is that, is that something that you kind of run a clinic on it? Uh, or is it once you spot that there is this deficiency, uh, is it too late to deal with it? Or is it kind of still something that can be rectified? <laughs> That's a good question. So it depends, depends how, how did they find out that they needed to do those things, right? Um, the ones that we help, I guess, was the most value are the guys who come to us say, uh, hey, we, we suddenly were asked by our biggest customer or we're tendering for this job and we actually have demonstrate <laughs> data protection compliance. And that one has immediate ROI, right? You want you yep. make sure that you can uh, clear the duty. So um, that one, we actually run either consulting or we have classes depending on what the size of the company, right? Because what they need to do, um, there are a few things. They need to do risk assessments. After risk assessment, then they look at their controls. Then they need to look at how they communicate, how do they audit, and then also they need to have breach plan. So there are a number of um, deliverables you need to be able uh, to show accountability to a firm who is dueing you. Now, the other side, of course, those who are in trouble if they already are in trouble in terms of a complaint, right, and under investigation. Uh, that's a bit more tricky, right? Because um, right now you're under the gun, right? And the if it's regulator investigating you, they will ask for operating evidence. They aren't satisfied with you just having policies. So some firms mistake that they, they got some lawyer to give them some sort of a paper and they think that's good enough. And then they just send across, you know, I got this uh, privacy policy. Either they got some lawyer to write it or they copy it from somewhere. And the regulator's questions come back will be, can you show me how you operationalize it? Under what uh, circumstances was this operationalized? Can you show me a timestamp and sign off on this thing? Uh, can we interview one of the staff uh, who's operating on this part and, and they want to talk to them directly? So you can imagine, right? The regulator's questions now are geared towards accountability versus just compliance alone. So if you are in the space that you are serving customers who are in the regulated industry, eh, the medical, the finance, um, you want to be careful because the nature of those kind of customers' question will be similar along those lines, right? As the investigation from a, a commission. Makes sense. And in terms of, I guess, if you take that train of thought further, uh, if let's say it's not just about the compliance, but let's say there is actually an incident where, let's say one of the employees takes their work laptop with the you know whatever customer information is there goes into a, a taxi loses that laptop what happens in that kind of scenario where it's actual i would call it like a, a breach or, or loss of data yeah so right now there is um you need to have a breach plan number one the singapore regulation is going to be invoking a, a clock uh, of, for notification to the regulator for a certain size of breach. Uh, this is uh, in line with the GDPR as well, right? GDPR uh, has a 72 hour clock. Uh, Singapore one has put in a recommendation, likely you'll be approved this year. So imagine if you have a breach like that, where there's amount of personal data that's on the laptop that's lost. And under the law, 
there's an obligation called protection obligation. All personal data under your care must be reasonably protected. Should the laptop be found and the data was easily accessible, you are already in big, big trouble, right? Because it was not reasonably protected, right, George? Yep. And they want to see that, you know, what measures did you put in place and how this laptop was uh, being protected, how this uh, access to the data um, was actually tracked. So if you don't have a breach plan, um, you may not even be able to meet that 72-hour notification, right, which is coming up. So typically, the breach plan involves, number one, how do you contain the incident, right? Then next thing, how do you now assess the risk and then whether you need to inform the PDPC or not, right? The reporting. Then after that, you need to look at how you are remediating. So when you report to the commission, you need to tell them what is the incident, what have you con how have you contained it, and uh, what are the risks involved, and then uh, what are you doing right now? And then you need to report on the progress, right? So the principle for the data protection law is prevention of harm. That is the key. Right. Okay. So that will be the operating principle for you to report to the regulator and uh, what actions you take to prevent harm of the loss of those data. And is PDPC the only regulator that uh, needs to be notified in Singapore when something like this happens? Yeah. So if you have a breach, there are three um, authorities you can escalate to. Number one, if you have a scam incident, right? For example, the one I told you just now, whether it's a tech support scam or no, uh, those, the Singtel ones or the computer ones. Uh, if it's a scam, then you report to the police, right? And if there was uh, the scam escalated into a hack, that means a guy installed some sort of key logger or whatever onto your laptop or your guys have been compromised by phishing or that, um, where it's a, it's a targeted uh, attack uh, or you have a ransomware you escalate to the cybersecurity agency. Now, these two are the cybersecurity side of things, right? If there was personal data involved, right, involving customers, for example, or your staff's data, then if it's sizable enough, you need to report to the PDPC, the Personal Data Protection Commission, right? So this is in the escalation of the reporting authorities. Yeah. I see. Okay. And have you seen some of the notable cases in Singapore where the data breach uh, was, I guess, kind of following that, that same scenario? Have you seen it uh, either for small businesses or medium-sized businesses? What are the typical scenarios? Yeah, actually, a lot of them are mistakes by, by employees, you know, or weak controls on their uh, storing of data. Um, when we look at the stats of uh, breaches, while the highest um, out of the nine obligations of the PDPA, the highest uh, obligation is breach is the protection obligation. Um, and yet, only 15% of those breaches were due to uh, malicious hacking. A large chunk of it was due to employee um, mismanagement or negligence. So, this is something that we have seen the trend and however the hacking one while it's low it carries higher penalty why because uh, data involved is a lot bigger right 
And so while it's disproportionately low, but amount of data loss is quite significant and can be, uh, again, I mentioned just now the principle of uh, harm, right? So it can be more harmful in those cases. Now, in terms of the employee kind of uh, negligence or, you know, weak controls, it can be as like they're sending a spreadsheet of uh, customer's data out unprotected. And some of them like to use BCC, right? And once your email client is slow, you might accidentally put in CC. Now everybody sees it. So imagine if your firm doing some sort of a sensitive, like, you know, uh, insurance or financial data, and you uh, accidentally, uh, you know, BC, uh, CCing a uh, number of people on the list, then everybody knows, you know, uh, these people are under review and all that. So we have seen a number of cases like that. The CCBCC is very common. Um, okay. Spreadsheets are not protected. Uh, it's very common. We have a Taekwondo and Foundation uh, Federation of All People. Um, they are non-profit, but they actually put a, a spreadsheet. It's in PDF of their competing uh, students on their website. Unfortunately, when you open the PDF in Excel, it unhides all the columns. Okay. <laughs> right? So they were fine, 30,000, because they didn't have a DPO, they didn't have the policy in place, and PDPC was, uh, you know, uh, equal-handed in, in, in terms of uh, treating this case to say that, you know, you, you guys were negligent, right? And so it took everybody by surprise. Like you think PDF, that you hide the column, you can't see it, right? When you open X, everything opens back up, yeah. Makes sense. Okay, this is, yeah, it's a very good example of uh, just this is a, the kind of things that go wrong when it comes to data privacy and clearly like the, the 30k is not a consequential amount and plus the regulatory scrutiny that that brings uh mm -hmm. is uh un un uh, unnecessary or or painful for the businesses to bear uh, maybe a last question i know that we are quite tight on time how has the government in Singapore been helpful to firms in terms of the advocacy and funding for data protection do you can you share any examples yeah, it's a good question. And I think uh, listeners in Singapore, you know, uh, you will make the people who are from other countries jealous, right? <laughs> because in uh, Singapore, the government has at least five buckets of funding uh, towards data protection, right? So usually when I talk to SMEs, they have these three issues, no MRT, no, no money, no resource, no time. Eh? Yeah. And uh, money side, you have five buckets and even to the point of 90% funding or training, you know, uh, for solution for even the data protection trust mark. So for us, uh, we are probably the only company who have access to be able to navigate that with uh, companies because we have a number of courses that are approved in those funding areas. And we also know how to navigate the funding for the resources. Imagine if you have no DPO, the government is willing to fund the person's salary for six months up to 90% and fund his training. I don't think any other country has that, right? Um, and then if you don't go a trust mark, you can even get funding for that plus a consulting. So there is no excuse for a company to say that no resource and no money. In terms of time, um, you really need to go on it on a systematic basis. So for us, when we work with companies, we use international best practice only because we train people the international certification for privacy. And if you're systematic, it can be done in a matter of weeks, right? Uh, it's not a nine-month project. 
So that's why those who keep kicking a can down the road until they get due deed or somebody complains, it's a bit too late. And you rightly mentioned the pain of um, uh, a breach or investigation in the Singapore uh, Commission. If you have been enforced by the commission, you are on permanent record on their website. Ne? So imagine you go for a tender, uh, they can just UD you through the PDPC website and see whether you have been enforced before and that becomes a minus mark for you, right? So you really don't want that. And we have seen firms who have suffered, uh, you know, on the backlash of the PR, right? It's a lot more than a fine. I mentioned some Cambridge Analytica to you. Uh, that company was not even fine. They collapsed within six months if, with 15 million euros in their bank because everybody pulled up. Yeah, hopefully that brings home the point. Uh, data privacy and the uh, newsworthiness of this uh, can become a double-edged sword nah, to uh, a firm, especially now it's very newsworthy, data privacy, uh, because many, many countries are starting to enforce it. In the countries around here, two new countries are starting to enforce uh, soon which will be Indonesia and Thailand, apart from Singapore, Malaysia, and Philippines. Okay, over to George. Yep, this is, this is perfect. Uh, maybe one last question uh, based on, on this. So a lot of our listeners are, you know, from found, founders of startups or investors in the startups, and maybe uh, they will think about it and say like, uh, this kind of issues, is it something that only bigger companies need to worry or do the startups need to worry? My, my gut feel is that everybody needs to worry because the regulation applies all across. Is that correct? Well, George, what about you, right? You remember we, we spoke as a company yourself, as a platform dealing with both big companies and startups. How do you feel as a CEO of a company in the, in the size of the audience we're talking about? Well, we, we've, I find that it's a highly relevant topic, but mm. I guess based on your experience of working all across the spectrum, do you find that, you know, it, it's basically it's a, as, as the company starts, this responsibility start as well? Yeah. Well, we speak to many startups, right? Uh, the fintechs and all that, you know, and I just, uh, you know, we were just discussing earlier on. If you are going to be, uh, especially a founder and startup, and if you're going to go and try and get a big deal soon with enterprise clients, right? Guess what's going to happen? They are going to be having a part where they want to duty you that you're a trusted firm. Especially if you have all these sexy analytics, they can process personal data and do profiling. They want to know that they can trust you and when they give you the data, you cannot be their weakest link. So if you come across a contract that says, okay, can you all go through this part here? And we want to know that you actually are a trustable vendor in data protection because now you're doing profiling personal data. And if you can't meet any other requirement, your deal will just fall flat. Same thing, we talk to the, the venture funds. If a venture fund is going to grow you to the next level, they want to see your track record and they want to see, you know, you have high ARR, you have high uh, good names on your on your track record. Well, they're going to be asking to duty you so that, you know, you don't blow up suddenly. So one of the duty is actually regulatory compliance. So if you say that, oh, yeah, we have it, but you can't really show. Uh, in fact, we are starting to talk to VCs about how to duty on uh, regulatory compliance because it's compulsory. It's not option. So as a company, many founders put it off, put it off, put it off until two things happen. 
due diligence by an enterprise client or due diligence by a funder, right? And we actually have a funding company who actually stopped funding uh, discussion with the firm. They were about to proceed because the other firm couldn't produce evidence uh, that satisfied them that this was a trustable company in dealing with so much data. And the, the, the deal was uh, canned. And I think this is the perfect uh, perfect end to our chat. I think is definitely I hear you when you say that uh, the data privacy is probably one of the key issues. And I think a lot of the times in the startups, it is probably getting overlooked among a uh, hundred and one things that are being fire fighted uh, by the founders. But it's definitely something that's becoming a, a bigger issue, and with more and more data being stored by the by the startups and you know all across the spectrum you're talking about medical you're talking about financial uh you even all the e-commerce platforms any business that you you're working on you are handling a lot of data because all of us are technology startups and the the fact that it is such a integral component and you know singapore has been probably uh at the forefront of it but it is something that's picking up all across southeast asia and you know we're we're following, I guess, on the footsteps of GDPR and all the other uh, frameworks that are being introduced. So it, it could become very quickly a, a, from a, a very secondary thing on the mind of a, of a founder to something that's very major. So it's either a regulator knocks on your door or the investor that is not funding you. That's really, really critical. So it is it is a major issue and it's better, better to be dealt with at the front uh, rather than being waited, waiting for it to hit uh, them in the blind spot. So I really appreciate your time today, Alvin. Sure. Uh, thank you very much for those insights. Yeah, no worries. In fact, if your founders are um, happy to have them uh, join our free uh, dpexnetwork.org, uh, you guys got videos, you got webinars, and, and get yourself educated, right? Whether you take the step with us or not is, is fine. But, you know, we actually do this as a service to the community. So get yourself educated and then see what's the next step. Uh, and guys, it's not a difficult thing to do, uh, like what George says, but you need to do it because you don't want to be in an awkward position when actually there's real big money on the line. Right? Thanks, man. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll speak to you next time on the next episode of G-Risk.